0: Hi, my name is Renata Grandeo. I am the founder of Premier Elite Pageants and the founder of Renata Grandeo Designs and Communications.
1: Hello everyone, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project with you and my special guest for today is Renata Grandeo who is over in Perth, Western Australia. She is the Director of Premier Elite Pageants and the founder of Renata Grand- Grandeo, I almost got through it, Grandeo <laughs> Communications. Renata, welcome to the show.
0: Hi Adrian, thank you so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. How how are things going over In Perth, are you relatively COVID-free? I don't know if you heard the news, but Melbourne has just gone into another lockdown. How are you guys?
0: Yeah, I heard the news. Apparently, we have seven people who have been in some of the hot spots over in Melbourne here in Perth, Um, and the WA Premier has just shut the borders, um, which I think is probably a good thing. Uh, We've been pretty COVID-free here. Um, It's really cold at the moment, so I'm just recovering from a cold. So sorry for my nasally voice. (laughs)
1: How cold is Perth? Because cold in Perth versus cold in Melbourne versus cold in Sydney versus cold on the Gold Coast. Oh, God.
0: Completely God. different
1: things. What's cold for you guys? I
0: think it's about 20 degrees here today and I'm freezing, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like me. Anything anything under 20 degrees and I start complaining that, you know, it's ferociously cold and that no. God has just made a horrible, horrible mistake.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. I do but...
1: love Perth, though. Yeah. Perth, um I've been over there, I can't remember if it's once or twice, but when I, that, that banner in the background, um, that was my first yeah. book, I recorded a lot of the videos, six of the ten interviews I recorded in one day in Perth. Um, wow. And it's a lovely, it's got a really relaxed vibe, like it feels really nice. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go there for lots of things to happen, like if you're someone who wants a lot of things happening, like Sydney or <laughs> Melbourne, I don't want to, I love Perth, but it's just like Sydney and Melbourne has probably more going on. Um, how long have you been, how long have you been Perth side for?
0: Um, I've been living in Perth for about seven years now. Um, prior to that, I was living in New Zealand. So it was definitely a big change coming from New Zealand to Perth. Um, and surprisingly, in New Zealand, there was like a lot more, well, I lived in Auckland, so there was a lot going on all the time. Um, here in Perth, like you say, it's a bit more relaxed. So there's not as much going on, but I kind of like it like that. <laughs> I was going to say, if
1: you're moving, because I've been to New Zealand as well, although I was uh, South South Island with Queenstown, um, oh, yeah. very, very relaxing. So yeah. I was just thinking Perth would be the perfect place to go because it's also very, very relaxing. Um, whereabouts in whereabouts in Perth are you? Are you right in the middle of the city or are you one of the oh, no. outer suburbs?
0: Um, I'm in Mirawa, which is about 40 minutes from the city up north. Um, so people are always like, oh, Meriwa, that's like far, far, far away. <laughs> um, I have no idea how far <laughs> away it is. Yeah, it's about 40 minutes from the city. It's a really beachy suburb, which I love. Um, me and my partner are beach bums, so that's why we chose to buy up here.
1: It sounds Sounds perfect. Sounds very, very relaxing. Uh, Now, Renata, we're going to talk all things social media, obviously. But before that, you're also director of Premier Elite Pageants. Um, So do you want to tell the people watching your pageant history, how you got involved in pageantry to begin with, and then also what led you to start your own system?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So I did my very first pageant when I was three years old in South Africa. So that's where I was born. Um, My mum entered entered me into one, and I did it, and I won that one, and I loved it, but then we moved to New Zealand a year later. Um, So there wasn't really anything like that in New Zealand at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was about 13 years old, um, I competed as a national national finalist for Teen Miss New Zealand, Um, and that was really fun. Uh, I didn't place in that one, but at the time, I actually had an eating disorder, um, and I was in a very sort of negative Mind space and it probably wasn't a great idea for me to be competing um, but I sort of had already signed up and I put myself in that position and I was very much like comparing myself to the other girls and it wasn't ideal um, so then I sort of recovered and when I moved to Perth I was about 16 at the time um, and Courtney Tester was actually in at Mandari Senior College with me um, so she's previous to Miss Teen Galaxy and current Miss Intercontinental so um, which is so awesome for her and we got on really well and she was sort of introduced me into the galaxy system. Um, And I did a couple of galaxy pageants and I went through to nationals and I loved it. I came in the top 10 um, and that was awesome. Such a great experience. And I learned so much from all the different girls and sort of that independence that you get from going over there and experiencing something like that when you're so young. Um, So I actually traveled over solo without my family, but it was a really awesome experience. And then I did Miss Charity over in Perth and I won that pageant and that was great. Um, but that was sort of quite a small pageant at the time. So I sort of decided after speaking to Emma, who's that director, we thought, why not create like a more of a sisterhood in Perth and bring pageants, you know, get get them sort of going because there's nothing really in Perth that's going on like that. So I decided to bring Premier Elite Pageants, which focuses on body positivity and sort of setting a positive um experience for all the girls who compete and originally it was just for the Miss and Ms categories but last year we decided to bring in the younger girls as well which was really awesome Um, and sort of it's about everyone becoming a role model and using their skills uh, to create a positive impact on our world.
1: I like the sound of that. Um, When were you competing in Galaxy? What what years was this?
0: Um, It would have been in I want to say 2016.
1: Okay, all right. It. So you it, probably know Alicia then as well, Alicia van Schoonhoven.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've been at same events and we competed together um, and also at Miss Global. I did compete one year with her.
1: Right. Okay. I mean, that's, I don't know if you can tell, but that's her in the background there.
0: Yeah. she
1: she was uh, the ambassador for that project um Uh you said you were born in south africa did you see the um universe most recent universe with the south african contestant natasha
0: i haven't caught up with it yet i just haven't had the time but i did see that she didn't play and people were quite upset about that
1: Yeah, it's um if you have a look, it's on my Instagram. I made a little reel of it. I put up her um preliminary uh swimsuit walk and also her evening gown, which she's also a fashion designer. And yeah. there was a whole lot of people going, Can't believe she didn't make top twenty or top twenty yeah, one. Yeah, but um South Africa has quite a strong it's weird, like Pete, I, I've in, interviewed a couple of South African queens and I have mm-hmm. one, I'm a, friend with a, a, a couple, good friends with a couple of them and um, they tell me that pageantry is not big in South Africa but South Africa seems to do really well okay. on the international stage. Definitely. I don't know where that comes from.
0: I think that um, pageants aren't huge over there per se but they do a lot of modelling. Like my auntie mm-hmm. um, did a lot of modelling in the community growing up um, and there was... My family's Portuguese, so, like, in the Portuguese clubs and things, they used to have, like, their own little mini pageants, I guess. Yeah, so I think that's where it comes from.
1: Okay. You you have to clarify for me because in the brief history that you've been talking about, we've heard South Africa, Portuguese, New Zealand, Perth, <laughs> very, you're all over the place. What, what's happening yeah. there?
0: So I was born in South Africa. Um, Moved to New Zealand when I was four, Um, lived in New Zealand for 13 years and then moved to Perth seven years ago. Um, But my family is originally from Portugal.
1: Right. Okay. Because Galaxy pageants internationally is also very strong in Portugal. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) The Portuguese Portuguese Galaxy system, to give you an idea, the UK Galaxy system is probably the biggest. Uh The Australian one is up there as well in terms it's probably the second biggest and then i think um portugal is just behind actually i think portugal might even be bigger than australia this year i think someone told me it's going to be like 40 girls or something like that so it's yeah Uh it's probably huge um how long have you been running premier elite pageants for
0: um it's been three years now
1: okay and what are the goals that you have for it
0: well it's really about creating a sisterhood of like-minded girls Um, I just find that there's such a bad connotation with pageantry, like in the media and things like that. People tend to think, oh, to be a pageant girl, you have to be a specific kind of girl, look a certain way, talk a certain way. Um, But I kind of really want to break that and involve more people and sort of celebrate the fact that it really um, brings people together and helps people make a positive impact in our world. So for me, with pageant, if I'd never done pageantry, I would have never gotten involved in, like, fundraising and working in the community and that kind of thing. Um, and that's really something that I want to be able to pass on to the next generation of girls.
1: And do you have any more plans to compete yourself? Or are we talking about now that you've got the directorship that and, and your business, which we'll get to in a second, that's keeping you more than busy enough?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I do hope to compete again sometime soon. I'm just waiting to with all COVID and things, I'm kind of nervous about signing mm. up to a pageant and then not being able to go ahead and compete and my fiance and I are getting married next year. So things are a bit crazy around that as well. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you have to push back your wedding at all? Because the wedding industry has been trashed horribly by COVID.
0: Uh, luckily not. Fingers crossed we don't have to. Um, he proposed at the last Premierly event in January. So we've only been you know, engaged for a couple of months, but we're looking at October next year for the wedding. So, yeah.
1: I hope you're not planning it overseas, are you?
0: Oh no, no, no way, no way! Okay.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that's very, very brave of you if you're if you're planning that overseas. Where, are you planning a honeymoon though?
0: Yeah. So we actually went yesterday to Flight Centre to have a chat, but you know, with everything, we're kind of nervous to book something. So we'll probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we were thinking about Coco's Island, um, but we probably might just end up going to Broome. So sort of NWN.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a horrible time to be planning a pageant or planning a wedding or trying to oh, do anything yeah. like that because as we've just seen with Melbourne like literally well not literally overnight but very quickly you you can't yeah. go anywhere seven day lockdown so how you can run a pageant or plan a wedding around that I, I have no idea. Um, yeah. I am glad to hear you were able to go to a flight center. Because a lot of the flight, tent, a lot of the flight centers closed. Because obviously in 2020 there's literally no business. Um, so I'm glad to hear there's at least a couple of them still around. Um, that might be um, that might be a good time to actually segue into your social media business, talking about business. Um, so tell us what I don't know if it's your how you would call it day job, like which which one, which which you got the pageants and you got the social media. Which one's your day job and which one is sort of your superhero, you know, after hours alter ego? (laughs) But in terms of social media, um, tell us how you got started in the social media business.
0: Well, I'd like to think that my social media sort of business is my bread and butter. um, Mm -hmm. And my pageant side of things is like my passion project. So I actually, when I was in high school, I did a lot of writing and I loved to write. Um, And when it came to the time to sort of decide what I wanted to do after high school, I thought, oh, I really want to be an author. And my family were like, oh, that's a bit risky being an author. You know, you can't say that's your full time job. And I was like, oh, so what can I do that, you know, fits in with writing and things that I love doing, but will actually generate an income? So that's when I looked into doing journalism. And so I went ahead and I studied at Curtin University. I did um, mass communications. So I majored in journalism and corporate screen production. And I found out early on that journalism wasn't my calling, but I wanted to push through and stick it out because I was like, I can do it, three years. So I did. Um, And then after I had my degree, I actually went into working in marketing because I'd done a couple of marketing units at uni. And I worked at a skincare business. And I just, you know, I just thought, oh, this isn't really for me. Like, I'm not the type of nine to five kind of gal. Like, I like to have flexibility. I like to be able to go out and meet people. And, you know, if I have something on, I like to, you know, fit my schedule around what I'm doing. Um, So I started taking up, it was actually my auntie saw a post go up on Facebook for a social media manager for an academy of gymnastics just in Perth. And I applied to it and I was like, oh, let's see what happens. Um, they were looking for someone freelance and at the time I hadn't even thought about, you know, working for myself. So I went ahead, did the interview with them and they're like, amazing, you've got the gig. Um, what are your freelance details, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've not even thought about it yet. So I went home <laughs> and <laughs> I went home and I started, you know, writing, you know, all my price lists and my T's and C's and, you know, um, service agreements and that kind of thing. Um, and I was working with them on the side cause I was only working three days a week at the skincare business. Um, and it got to the point where I had about seven clients freelance because they, you know, they started recommending me to other people. And I sort of, I was like, well, I need to make a decision. Either I bite the bullet and go full-time freelance and just, you know, go for it and see what happens. Or I stay stuck in this job and working like a side hustle, which was becoming really overwhelming for me. Um. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was actually reading this book, *The Power of Now*. And one night, I was sitting in bed reading the book, and I read something um, about how like now was the only time that you've got, and if you don't make that decision, you might, you know, you might lose that opportunity. So the next day, (laughs) I called up my boss and I said, "Hey, I'm resigning." And she was like, "What? You can't resign!" But anyway, I did, and I went full time freelance in July two years ago now.
1: That's been quite that's been quite a ride then i I find that with entrepreneurial people people who have entrepreneurialism in the blood that whole there's some reason that they just can't work nine to five Uh-oh. i I tried it once as my very first job. Uh-huh. it didn't end well um <laughs> because you the the corporate hierarchy very much is okay, so you've got your degree, you start at the bottom, you have to work your way up, but it's very political as well that's what I found you know you have to if you are very bright, very intelligent, and very enthusiastic and you come in and you're hot, you're young, you still have to make way for the older, tired people who are there above you simply because they've been working there for 20, 30 years and they're waiting for their retirement check. That exactly. that That's what I found anyway. So did you have that sort? I mean, I'm going to guess that you did because you did journalism, which is not a typical nine-to-five job anyway. But yeah. have you always been like that as well? I'm curious.
0: Um, I've always been the type of person who wants to be heard and wants to make an impact. So really working in like an office setting wasn't for me um, just because I had so many opinions on things and. I- we could try this and we could try that and people were like no this Mm. is not what we've been doing we've been doing this for the past 10 years and we're going to keep doing it Mm. Um, that's (laughs) that's where I really struggled to sort of fit into that office environment you know
1: that is literally what you just worded is probably one of my biggest pet peeves is (laughs) when people just it really is it's when people justify doing something simply because that's the way it's always been done and I think in 2020 if you weren't flexible you weren't able to pivot like some of the the big businesses they do make a lot of money but it's so slow to turn around it's like the titanic um so a small business like yourself or like myself when covid shuts everything down we can pivot on the spot i mean we we don't like it but we can go okay we'll do more stuff online whereas if you're a giant corporation you literally can't turn yourself around and then you like the titanic you plow straight into the iceberg um So in terms of what a typical day looks like, because I know a lot of pageant girls, when they think of starting their own business, a lot of them are interested in social media management. Um, I don't know if it's a social media agency, that's slightly different, but they're certainly very keen on helping people create content and then publishing it and then managing their accounts. So what does a typical day for you look like as a social media manager? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so for me, it took a really long time to sort of figure out what my typical day and week sort of look like. So I had to create myself a schedule to really get into that um, that flow, I guess, because originally I was working every day, weekends included, and mm. it was just too much. Um, so I figured out what works for me. So basically, fr- uh, Thursday and Friday, I create content for all my clients. So right now I have 20 clients. Um, so I create all their uh, everyone's on a different package. So some people have, you know, like two things going out per week. Other people have content going out every day. It just depends. Um, so, yeah, Thursday, Friday, I create the content and send through their content plans. Then Monday I schedule. So I bulk schedule everyone's content. And then that way I have Tuesday, Wednesday for meetings um, and like to interact on their socials and sort of any other bits bobs. So I also do copyright and create websites. So that's what I do on the Wednesday, uh, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make sense in my head.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you've got a, a good schedule there um, in terms of I mean, let's dive into this in terms of how you schedule uh, and how you set that up. So there's a pageant girl who wants to start managing, let's say, a small business of social media. Obviously, you've got to get access details to their account. You have to have some sort of software to schedule, and as so you're just going to post every time that you want to put a post up. But I would strongly suggest schedule batching and scheduling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. batching what what you said on the Thursday and Friday. So doing the content creation in in a concentrated period rather than doing it you know whenever you feel like you need to. Yeah, so in terms of batching and scheduling, what tips, what tricks, what softwares do you use for those?
0: Um, So basically what I really like to do is I create a monthly content calendar for each of my clients. Um, So I sort of cover any important events that are happening both in the community and their business, Um, and then any sort of special days. So things like, you know, um, Daffodil Day or, you know, Easter and that kind of thing. So I put that into their content calendar. And then I create – weekly graphics for them to have a look at and then they go through that and they just confirm that they're happy with that and then i send i schedule that um on the monday when i'm doing all my scheduling
1: right and what software do you use to schedule
0: um i just use content create facebook creator studio originally Mm -hmm. i was using like a special software and i found that there were so many glitches and posts weren't going out and things like that. And that made me really stressed. So I just thought, you know, what's a simple way of doing it? Um, and someone recommended Creator Studio and I've been using it for about a year now and I love it. I highly recommend it. And it's free, which is great.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. It's it's Because uh, it's actually produced by Facebook. Do you use yeah. it on mobile just out of interest or do you use it on your desktop slash laptop?
0: I use it desktop.
1: Okay. Because mm-hmm. I found that with the mobile version, and I have this discussion with my best friend all the time,
0: yes. for some
1: reason that the mobile, the app version, it seems very, very delayed sometimes. Like you'll get a notification about something that happened a day ago. I still think there's a glitch in it where when someone mentions my page and I click on it, it doesn't actually show me who shared wow. or commented. Um, so I do like it on desktop, but on mm-hmm. on mobile, I found it very, very... Um, Let's just say I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah. But in terms of when, because you said you've got 20 clients. Am I correct? Uh-huh. It was 20, wasn't it? Yes, Which is amazing, you. first off, so congratulations <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> when they bring you on, what is it that they bring you on for like what's the result because i'm sure that okay maybe they don't have time to do social or maybe they're just one of those people who doesn't like social maybe they're a bit older they want someone else to take care of it but in terms of the result that they want let's say from you managing the social what is the result that you talk to them about is it building engagement is it building the following is it actually getting sales if they a sales business what sort of what's the discussion that you have there with your clients
0: yeah, so it's mostly about creating a brand awareness and a community. So, you know, you could have, I don't know, 10,000 followers and only 20 people like your post and no one comments on it. But you could mm. have, you know, 100 followers and, you know, 20 of those people are commenting and 80 are liking, which is way more valuable yeah. than having all the yeah. followers. You know? um, so that's the kind of conversation that I have with people and generally the people who end up working with me, that's what they're after.
1: Right. And have- do you? Sorry. No, sorry. You go. I cut you off.
0: I don't like to give people the false hope that they're going to make sales through social media, um, because I think that if you are saying that, you're really setting yourself up to fail, because there's no really proven way of tracking that and being sure that that's going to happen.
1: It. I think it can be very difficult to um to manage as well from your position, because if your social media simply becomes buy my stuff buy my stuff buy my stuff that's not typically what most people go to social media for we go there for entertainment or distraction or something like that so saying buy my stuff um probably isn't isn't the smartest strategy um so when you do you reach out to your clients or do they reach out to you or is it a bit of both
0: Initially, when I started working for myself, um, I had, like I said, the Academy of Gymnastics was so my first client, and they referred me to a couple of people, um, and also mentioned me on Facebook, you know, like groups yeah. and things. Like someone's looking for a social media manager, they're like, contact Renata. Um, so most people, they just they end up coming to me. I don't think I've ever really reached out to someone and been like, hey, you know, can I work with you? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right.
1: Okay. So then the question now is. Social media and pageantry, in uh-huh. terms of pageant girls, because they always want to build their following, which, as you already said, it's not just about how big your following is, it's about engagement. And frankly, I wish that more girls would focus on that and building yeah. a community that's really engaged with what they're doing rather than just mm-hmm. trying to get a hundred two hundred thousand followers. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the tips or even some of the frustrations you have? Let's see, because obviously you've got a foot in both industries. Uh-huh. If there's a young girl watching this and they want to build their social following, what tips, what tricks, what strategies would you give them?
0: I would definitely recommend, I know people always say it, but being authentic and being, I guess, vulnerable and just, you know, letting people know exactly who you are. Um, just because you're posting photos in a bikini doesn't mean that people are going to, you know, relate to that. Um, people want to be, want to follow people who they can relate to. That's really what it is at the end of the day, um, I also always tell people that people buy your story, so it's all well and good to have like this really nice aesthetic feed, but if you're not telling people about who you are and what you do, it's you're not going to get anywhere because people really want to be able to resonate with that.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. The one that I see a lot of in pageantry is the bikini photo, or uh-huh. even let's say a sparkly a sparkly gown photo, yeah. um, and then the caption it's kind of you know, it might be two lines from a pop song or something like that. Like the mm-hmm. caption is a very, it could be sassy, but it's kind of very throwaway. It doesn't add anything. It's not, It doesn't really ever make you think. Um, yeah. In terms of the captions, what sort of captions, because I completely agree with you. I mean, in terms of story, story, sell, facts, tell. So yeah. I always think you should be telling your story, especially when you're advocating or a platform. Um, but in terms of the captions, what mm-hmm. what would you advise the girls to be putting in their captions?
0: Okay, so not quotes and not song lyrics, unless they resonate with you and you're going to sort of say why they resonate yeah. with you, um, <laughs> then that's fine. Um, I do think that if you're not adding value in your captions, there's not really any point in posting. So 50% of what you're posting is your image and the other 50% mm. is the caption. So <laughs> you need a really just- tailored <laughs>
1: I like that you said that because I think the same thing all the time. It's like I look at all these photos because I understand that I follow almost exclusively pageant girls. So (laughs) I see a lot of what you guys are posting out. And, like, the bikini looks really nice. You look great. The dress looks amazing. But after a certain number of exposures, you just start looking like everyone else. And I keep telling people, like, from a marketing perspective, if nothing else, and I think it's common sense. I don't know if you agree with this, but... If you look like everyone else, you're not going to get noticed because everyone is putting up those photos. So, would you say you agree with that, or you disagree with that, or you somewhere in the
0: middle? Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, even in the industry that I'm in, like doing the social media marketing, I have a friend who's a graphic designer, and we constantly go on and like. I always have like this little. um, Every time we catch up, we go on a rant about it because even these social media managers are posting photos in bikinis and then like talking about uh, yeah right and they're talking about how important it is to love yourself and not worry about the amount of followers that you have and like it's really contradicting that you're posting this photo which you're trying to gain followers from you know and then talking about oh you know followers don't really matter so you know we always have this
1: yeah it's i mean it gets to the point i know some girls i'll put up a photo and if it doesn't have a certain number of likes or comments within a certain amount of time, they'll actually delete it yeah. because that's they want to build the the perfect feed where every yeah. sort of every little square, at least on Instagram, has a certain number of followers, a certain number of likes. Because then it gives them bragging rights to say, "Look at me! Look how many people are engaging with me." Um, yeah. In terms of that, I mean, I'm assuming that you don't do that, but where where do you think that stems from? Why is there this need to like put up a post? And if it's not performing within like an hour, I'm going to delete it.
0: Honestly, I think a lot of it comes from like, I know it sounds cliche and all, but like, you know, you see celebrities or like people of influence and that kind of thing, you know, they put up a post and within seconds they have, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of likes. Um, And I feel like a lot of people try to compare themselves to that. And I know personally a few people who... um, they try to show off a life because essentially social media is your highlight reel, right? You're not posting, um, you know, the day that your dog broke its leg and you're really upset, you know, you're not going to post that probably not anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really about like that whole comparison thing and people wanting to be better than everybody else. That's what I, that's what I bring it down to.
1: Yeah. I I would agree with that. And I think a (laughs) dose of perfectionism as well. Um, Okay, so in terms of um, – let's just brainstorm. I'll put you on the spot a little bit here. But let's say you were to take on a pageant queen's social media. I don't know if that ever happens. But let's say a pageant queen was to take you on, and they want you to help build their brand, build engagement. We've already talked about the bikini photo and the dress photo, and they obviously have a place outside yeah. of those stock standard photos or your latest pageant headshot <laughs> there's so many cliches that i could talk about that drive me mad it's like oh please stop posting that every single time but if they want to be a bit different because it's all well and good for me to say be different but then they go well what do you want me to post what are some of the different ideas some of the different things i could play with to try and stand out a little bit
0: yeah yeah Um, So I think something that's really important for everybody is to create a brand image for themselves. Um, So I've spoken about this before um, to previous pageant queens and things about how when you are in in the pageant industry, essentially you are a public figure. So you need to be a bit like, you know, not careful but conscious of what you post. Um, And also you want to, you know, educate people about why you're doing what you're doing, why you're involved in pageants. Um, how they've sort of, you know, helped you in your life, how you become a, you know, um, the person you are today because of them. Um, so it's really about education and adding value and telling your story. Right. So would
1: you have any? Yeah. So, 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 so like tips in terms of the creative. So the captions you can obviously tell your story, um, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of pageant girls will struggle with, if you say, okay, you're not allowed to post a bikini photo, a gown <laughs> photo, or a headshot photo for the next month. <laughs> They'll be going, well, I have nothing else to post. The oh, next yeah, thing i right. will post up is an inspirational quote made on that's Canva, that. I'm assuming. Um, no, hate on um, Canva. Canva's actually an Australian company. But...
0: <laughs> I love Canva. <laughs> um, I, I love I'm...
1: Canva too, but I don't know if you get to the point where you see the girls putting up quotes and you go, that's a Canva template because literally yeah. I've seen it. I'm still like, oh, that's the template you use. So I'm just like, create it yeah. anyway.
0: Oh, what... The templates. <laughs> <laughs>
1: in terms of the creative, what what would you say the girls could post apart from all the stock standard stuff?
0: So I really love um feeds that actually show everyday life. Um so things that you're doing. You can still make everyday life look aesthetic and pretty. Um, you know, like I personally loved seeing people's family, their friends, um, things that they most care about. So surely not the only thing that they care about is pageants. Like they have there has to be something else, yeah. you know? Yeah, (laughs) and we want to see that.
1: Right, so it's more behind-the-scenes stuff, the the stuff that happens away from the stage or away from pageantry to help actually flesh you out as a real person.
0: Definitely, definitely. So, you know, like, say you've gone and got your pageant gown, like, you could do a photo about, collecting your pageant gown and give the business a shout out and you know say what you loved most about working with them to you know to get the perfect gown for you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's- uh in terms sorry, in terms of Instagram feeds, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I um I I have a couple of friends and probably I know a lot of people who are obsessive about the feeds. You you, you know on Instagram in particular with the three squares across and then scrolling down and they want and I used to do this and I stopped because I just was like, this is stupid. But I don't know, maybe for a pageant, that's different. But it's like, quote, photo, quote, photo, quote, photo. Yeah. Or they put up three at a time because you want it to be threes, threes, threes. Yeah. Or this one's going to be pink. Then it's going to be blue. Then it's going to be pink. Then it's going to be blue. And I just like, yeah. I don't know how you ever post anything when you have this many restrictions on you. And I say that with all respect because I had a friend over here. And in the space of time that I had created, like, 20 posts and god knows how much content i turned back to her and said what are you doing And so oh, i'm still doing my post like, it's <laughs> been three hours yeah no but it's been three hours like, yeah. oh, i'm just trying to get the caption right i'm like what <laughs> so, what's the conversation there because i know look i've seen really really pretty feet i have they're much prettier than mine but at the end of the day my thought process goes i don't know how much time that that cost you to create that and also i'm not actually sure anyone's as interested in that as you are like you want the pretty feed but someone coming to look at it they're more interested in what you have in the profile frankly than how amazingly pretty your feed is what's a conversation you would have there on that topic
0: so for me i am one of those people who has like the two photos and then a you know a um graphic but that's just what I like that I'm a perfectionist. I'm going to, yeah, I definitely am. I'm a Virgo, so I know a lot of other Virgos are exactly the same. <laughs> but I do think that create, when you are using a platform like Instagram, it is very much a visual platform. So there is some element of aesthetic that goes into it. So like I said oh, before, yeah, so branding is really important. So for example, say your theme is pink like try and use photos that have like a sort of a pink hue to it or pink tones, that kind of thing. But it doesn't mean that you have to restrict yourself from having a random photo every now and then that doesn't fit in with that feed, you know. Um, I used to be really pedantic about it too. And a while ago it was all, you know, keeping it all the same and I use a lot of stock images. And then I got Mm. to the point people were like, hey, we want to know what's going on in your life, like actually going on, you know. Um, and that's something that even a lot of my clients wanted. You know, they wanted to know what do I do on the weekends? Um, how was that party that I was organizing? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so I sort of become more lenient, and you'll see now that I have like quite a mixture of different aesthetics and colors and things going on. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it because I think it makes it a bit easier, a bit easier for you. Um, yeah, but I mean, in terms of. I mean, you're exactly dead on the money when you say that people want to know what who you are, right? Because as you said, it's highlight reel, but people get sick of it and they want to know who you really are and little things about you. So, yeah. you know, I can spend as much time as I want trying to create the perfect post, And then what I very often find is that my best performing posts, and it's not like it does twice as well, it could do a hundred times as well sometimes. Yeah. They're very often the posts where I put up, a completely silly photo. It's like deliberately silly, yeah. or at least very casual, not posed at all. And then the the content is either something that's maybe slightly controversial, or it's just something like I put up a post. The one that's pinned on my Facebook page at the moment is like seven random facts about me, or like my top pet peeves. And I didn't think anyone was going to be interested in that because I was just like, oh, I hate this, I hate this, I hate. Because I was just in that sort of a mood. And the number of people who liked that and commented on it saying, Love it, love it, this is amazing. And I'm like, It's just my pet peeves. But my point is that sometimes we create content, and I don't know how you feel about this, but sometimes I think we fall into the trap of creating content for ourselves Mm -hmm. versus making the content that our audience wants. Have you ever found that to be the case?
0: Yeah, yeah. I found that with like even starting working with new clients, people tend to think, Oh, on my social media or I'm going to post is like the work that I've done. And like, for mm. example, hairdressing, right. And that's great and all, but people want to like have education and they want content that, you know, they can relate with as well. So the second you put up like a meme or something, people are going to interact with that, you know, it's because mm. people can relate to that. People, you know, see yeah. this beautiful hair transformation, but once the feed is clogged with that, it just gets, you know, it's basic. No one really cares.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's very, very true, um, okay, so the profile the the bio the bit the bit above all the the beautiful photos uh, what's your advice tips for what to put in there?
0: Yeah, so definitely um, where you're located is super important, and then just like a brief bio about yourself, don't say you know um, probably the worst thing is that people are like full time. I'm full time student, part time lover of life. Like, that's so generic. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, create something that means something to you. Um, so, you see, for mine, it's uh, just hello, welcome to a uh, higher, welcome to my world. Um, I'm a really casual kind of person. Um, I would say I'm, I've got a pretty big personality. So, the higher is like my little quirky thing. Um, and then I just say, says, like, you know, what I do and the welcome to my world sort of also shows that it's not just all business like i do show off some yeah. other things as well yeah
1: yeah okay yeah. um now in terms of oh let's talk about the link and this will apply to tiktok and instagram but assuming that you don't have 10k and you can just you know use that swipe up feature on instagram um what what would you put in the link because there's only space for one link on Instagram or TikTok bio. So what would you put there if you're a pageant queen, let's say?
0: Yeah, so um, I actually use Linktree, which is really great. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically it yeah. allows you to put, yeah, put, um, I think up to five different links on there. Um, so that's what I use. If you weren't using that, I would recommend having a website and sending all your traffic to that platform mm-hmm. um i find that it's really it's a lot easier to you know answer queries and things if it's all directed to the one link as opposed to tons of different ones
1: yeah and Linktree tree you can get a basic version for free i believe if oh, that's okay. still the case yeah, yeah. I, be- I i am a I've gone back and forth on the link tree thing. It's like, oh, I have so many things I want to tell people. Let's use a link tree. But at the same time, as soon as you give people too many options, it's like they just don't click on anything. Um, so sometimes I like the simplicity of just, you know, this is the one link and you can't go anywhere else. Um, you mentioned web web design. Uh, okay, so what should people do when they design a website? I've designed websites for people. Um, there are some people who should never be allowed to design a website because they know nothing about tech. They know nothing about tech. And some of them are such perfectionists that they will never ever release it. Then there's other yeah. people who get overwhelmed. Like you need to buy a domain. You need to do what? Where yeah. it's being hosted? Where I need to pay for the hosting? So <laughs> someone goes, "Yes, okay." Renata says, "I should have a website." I agree.
0: Uh-huh.
1: How would you? How would you? How would you go about getting one?
0: Well, firstly, I'd like to say, fun fact: fifty-six percent of people will only buy from an uh, Instagram profile who has a website. So if you don't have a website then you're already missing out. So that's just a fun fact I remembered. <laughs> um, but with, with websites you want to make sure that they're clean, they're easy to access and you re- when you're creating a website you really have to think about the user. So you might want to have I had this one client who came to me and had so much information and the information mm-hmm. was great but as a consumer I was yeah. going on <laughs> I was going on the website to find out Where can I buy the product? I don't, you know, I don't necessarily care about the 20 years experience they've had and, you know, where they've worked and all that sort of thing. I just want to know where I can get the product from. Um, So definitely keeping that in mind when you're creating a website. You don't have to put all the information in there.
1: It's really interesting you mentioned that because one of the people I follow, he's... um, doing uh what would you call it like evaluations or like people are asking him to write their bio so he goes onto their bio this is on tiktok and he'll go through it and every single one of them it's what you just said it's like the website's like i don't know where i can go to give you money like where can i go to give you money i want your stuff but you've hidden it somewhere it's like people going i'm not getting enough money it's like i've gone to your website where can i give you money um so Keep it clean. Don't put too much information. Really clear, we'll call them calls to action, right? So buying something is a call to action. Obviously, we want to be mobile optimized. There's nothing quite like a site that looks great on desktop and doesn't look great on mobile because now most people actually do, they visit, it's more than 50% now, I believe, visit on mobile, versus so what we used to do is design on a desktop and i've got two screens so it's really great to make things look great on two screens and then you go on your mobile and you can't see anything
0: yeah
1: yeah. so which are called mobile responsive for those of you who don't know that's what that means Um, (laughs) also action so let's say a pageant queen may not have necessarily a product for sale but they still want to start a website what do you think the main focus should be for a pageant queen who doesn't have a product for sale but has a website? Should it be their story? Should it be their advocacy? Something different?
0: I think it could be a combination of things. It could really be like a platform that sort of tracks their journey. Um, so without, you know, make, like bombarding people, but you can even use things like videos and photos to sort of make it a more visual platform. Um, but definitely, you know, telling their story, you know, what they're advocating for and why they're advocating for it. Um, and, yeah, like tracking their journey to whatever pageant that they're competing in.
1: Okay. Uh, now, there are a lot of social platforms out there.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: and then everyone has their favourite one.
0: Yeah. And then
1: sometimes <laughs> social platforms can disappear overnight. Or as uh-huh. you mentioned, like your account could disappear overnight. I still can't believe that. Um, that's why you should have your own website and your own email list. But there are so many platforms and not enough time so when someone and it could be a small business may not be a pageant girl but if a small business goes i just can't let's say you think it's a great idea for them to start a youtube channel but they don't they just say i can't do video or you know tiktok's the next hottest thing uh, it's doing really well but they're like oh, i can't do i'm not going to do a dancing video <laughs> how do you have that conversation with a client and they're like they how many platforms should they be on because i think that's a really interesting question facebook twitter instagram linkedin tiktok youtube (laughs) so exactly
0: yeah so i always ask people to think about who their demographic is like who their target market is so for example if you are a skincare company and you are um you know you're doing like fillers and that kind of thing you probably don't really need to be on tiktok because that's really like the the younger audience, you know, it's where all the sort of teens are hanging out, you'd probably benefit more from being on Instagram and Facebook as opposed to TikTok. Whilst, for example, if you are, I don't know, um, a dancing school, you'd probably be better off having, you know, TikTok, Instagram and Facebook because you've got to yeah. think about when, if you own a dancing school, you're targeting the kids, you're targeting the families, you know, so yeah. you want to that's where the demographic sort of lies. Um, so I always think TikTok is if you've got a really young target audience and then Instagram is sort of like 15 plus and then mm-hmm. Facebook is sort of, you know, uh, mid-20s onwards kind of thing. So that's what I always try that's to get my friends thinking about. Yeah, old people. Hey, Facebook included.
1: is for us old people.
0: <laughs> for us geriatrics.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know the, I know the feeling. Uh, who should use yeah. Twitter? It's out of interest.
0: Uh, honestly, I am not a fan <laughs> of Twitter. <laughs> no? no, I used to love Twitter back in high school. I was obsessed. Yeah, okay, this is really embarrassing, but I was obsessed with Reese Maston. Cause like, do you even know him? Oh. <laughs> okay,
1: Reese Maston.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look him up. Um, he was off the X Factor years ago. I think it was I wanna say oh, 2015. I could be wrong. Um, and I was the biggest fangirl, so I had Twitter, and for that reason, I used to like stalk all the celebrities, the only local ones, and they would follow me back. Like, that was my thing, right? Like, I was like, oh my gosh, Johnny Rocco followed me. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I think unless you are like a big time celebrity or a big name, then there's really no point being on Twitter.
1: Okay. That's just- so all, all the Twitter fans have now up, up and left. Um- <laughs> <laughs> What about Vine or MySpace? Is MySpace still around? I don't even know.
0: I I was thinking that the other day. I've recently been watching The Circle USA, and um, they were talking about MySpace. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I think I don't think I even went on MySpace. The very first social media platform that I ever used was Bebo. Bebo. Do you remember Bebo? You could like customize all the sparkly things and butterflies. Yeah.
1: Oh, that 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 was back in the day. Bebo is one of those things that you now have joke. You make it's a joke about you know the early two thousand sort of thing. You make Bebo joke. That's how old it is. is. Bebo even still around?
0: I don't actually know. I'll have to look it up.
1: <laughs> and TikTok used to be musically, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So in terms of pageantry. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that Instagram is a must. I don't know any pageant girl who wouldn't have an Instagram. What are the other musts or nice-to-haves, let's say, as a, as a pageant queen or a pageant competitor?
0: Yeah, I would say Facebook is great, um, especially, like, for me, if you have family overseas and that kind of thing, it's a great way to keep them informed on what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. I would also say TikTok is great if you have the time to create the videos and if you're creatively inclined like that um Mm. personal favorite pageant queen who is a tiktoker would be rachel evren um i don't really know anyone else who creates like as great tiktoks as she does (laughs) who was a pageant queen so there you go
1: you know the story between rachel evren and myself and tiktok
0: what (laughs) tell me
1: (laughs) when back when tiktok was just beginning to break out really big right I had jumped on TikTok. I was one of the first sort of like, you know, the older people or even a, a male jumping on TikTok. And I would post and it would get, you know, 2,000 views. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, and then I saw that Rachel was on it. Um, but And I messaged her saying, why aren't you doing more with this? I think you'd really love it. Because I think she'd started before me, but then she'd stopped.
0: And she yeah, goes, yeah. oh,
1: yeah, I'm, but I'm too old for it. I'm like. Rachel, no. what, are you, what are you talking about you know you, you, you're what i think there's 18 at the time like you're not too awful give it a go yeah. you know and because blowing up for me i think will blow up well for you well fast forward what, 18 months she's now signed up with i think it's img or someone as a tiktoker yeah. and she has hundreds of thousands of followers and i often joke because whenever she's I send her a message or comment, and whenever she reaches like the next milestone, I say, "I told you, you went too old." I was yeah. like, "Well, you're still too old now," because it's worked <laughs> out pretty well for her.
0: So that's so, the story. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, she probably owes you some royalties.
1: <laughs> well, you know how it goes on social media with royalty. That's like, I'll take fifty percent of zero; it's still going to be zero. But um, she, she, she's done super well. Uh, what yeah. about in terms of Just that level of discomfort. So, you know, TikTok comes out and people go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be silly. I don't dance. But at the same time, like for businesses, you might feel like you're leaving money on the table because of TikTok in terms of organic reach, right? Not in terms of paid, which is a a separate beast, but organic reach on Facebook pages or Instagram, it's, it's not going up. I mean, Reels is an interesting thing, but it's not going up. But TikTok although TikTok's also going down, but TikTok for a while was everything was going viral. So in yeah. terms of, let's say there's a small business and they want more exposure, but they're not willing to go on a platform because it makes them feel uncomfortable, but you know it'd be a good opportunity for them. What sort of conversations do you have with your clients when when that, they have that sort of an issue?
0: Yeah, so one of the things that my clients don't usually want to get involved in is like stories on Instagram, um, even yeah. just showing their face. You know, um, people are really weird about it. I don't want to do that. People don't want to see me. I'm like this old woman and no one wants to know what I have to say. Um, but people do. Like it's the it's the behind the scenes. And I always tell clients that they need to just take that risk and do it um, and mm. sort of see how it pays off. Um, and then from there they really, you know, they get that momentum going. Like if it goes really well, they're like, oh, this is amazing. Like I'm going to keep doing more of it. Um, I actually had one client who had never done a story before. She did. I encouraged her to do them. And she's been getting amazing feedback from them. And she's like, I'm never stopping. I'm gonna keep going. So it's you know, it's all about just, you know, confronting that and just doing it and seeing what happens.
1: Okay, sorry. I just dropped out for a second and I only heard the back part of that story, which was it's going amazing. Um what <laughs> is going amazing? What did you what did you tell her to do? Cause I want to
0: know. One of my clients, um, she was really, you know, sceptical about doing uh, Facebook, uh, sorry, Instagram stories, and I really encourage right. her to go ahead and do it, and she has, and it's been going great. Um, and she's been getting amazing feedback from it and that kind of thing. So it's really, you just have to, you know, what do they say, um, look fear in the eye and do it anyway, you know, like just do it and hmm. see what happens, yeah.
1: I, I often feel like at the worst, like what's the worst that can happen? Because right. I think sometimes we we get worried that someone's gonna laugh at us or something like that, but no one is really looking at us when we're honest because everyone's busy about is busy looking at themselves. So really exactly. just give it a go. What's yeah. honestly, what's the worst that can happen? You get a say or you get a thousand views. Um, I have noticed that TikTok, uh TikTok, Instagram Reels, at least for me, is doing very, very well in terms of organic reach. I put up a couple of the videos from universe in terms of the walking. I think one of them got over 10,000 views. And I say that understanding that I only, ha- only have 2,000 followers. So to get yeah, 11,000 views, something is going very well. I put up a lot of pageant coaching stuff as well. That's been very well received. And then that sort of short-form content can also obviously go on TikTok um, and YouTube Shorts, which apparently YouTube is making a big push with YouTube Shorts. Um, yeah. And then there's Instagram Stories, there's Facebook Stories, although I can't remember the last time I looked at a Facebook Story. Sorry, Facebook. Um It's much easier on Instagram. I I never look at a Facebook story. But um, in terms of the, the future direction of social, and there's only going to be more platforms coming out, right? Some will fall away, but there's only going to be more and more and more. What tips do you have for people to sort of, make their content creation as efficient and effective as possible and i say that because i will do long-form content such as this or my Mm -hmm. podcast which i just record straight to my phone on the car but then i take Mm -hmm. clips out of that i put them on instagram reels or TikTok. obviously i take the audio out and put it on podcast so i'm trying to take you know one big piece of content and use that to make the smaller pieces. Because for me, that's a lot less overwhelming than trying to create 20 separate little pieces of content where every single one needs to be a different idea. So Mm -hmm. what tips would you have for, for the girls watching just in terms of streamlining the content creation so it's not quite so overwhelming?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I always like to recycle content. So even if you have a post that's done really well that you posted, I don't know, a year ago, um, go back to that post and see how can you reuse that post um, and maybe, you know, even, like you said, like um, create more content out of it. So a really good one is say you've written a blog post, like how can you use that blog post and then create, I don't know, 10 different pieces of content for the different platforms. Um, so, yeah, definitely recycling content is the most efficient way of creating it. If it's done, you know, if it if it's broke, don't fix it. So. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Can we just have a quick conversation on email?
0: Uh
1: Email lists because Uh of what you just told me today about that Facebook page just being deleted overnight, basically. Um, This is, I think, a really important conversation specifically for businesses, maybe not so much pageant girls, although I I think everyone would be well-to-do to have an email list. The big fear is that TikTok, you could be banned overnight. Instagram, it happens all the time. I don't know why they just decide you've done something and you're gone doesn't matter. You you can't get it back. And so that following you've built over years, because it does take work, it's gone. All all your media is gone. All the conversation is gone. But an email list and your website are the two things that you can keep. So um, when it comes to small businesses, maybe not necessarily pageant girls, what's the conversation around having your website building the email list as your asset, the big asset? Yeah.
0: I think it's so important. It's really invaluable because like you said, you know, Instagram goes down, Facebook goes down. If those are your only ways of, you know, staying in touch with your clients, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having access to testimonials, having access to your media and all that sort of thing. Well, if if it disappears, you've got nothing to fall back on. So Mm -hmm. whenever a new business starts up, I always say like, get your website up and running, even if it's simple, even if it's just a landing page, at least you've got that for the time being. And always create email lists so with premier elite pageants what i do the second is anyone sends me through an inquiry and they have tick the little you know yes to subscribe box i straight away i you know, fill it, everything in so that they're there and i cannot lose that contact um and also really important to remember to back things up so you know download the files like all the contacts and you know actually have them on a hard drive or something just because you know um one guy who I'm in a networking group always says, what if your laptop catches fire or what if, you know, if someone steals something, how are you going to access all that information? So just backups are super important.
1: Yeah, I have um, I have backups running over here. I've started putting more and more stuff in the cloud as cloud storage has become more affordable. Obviously, being hacked is a possibility, but they run, they obviously take care of all the backups themselves. Um, and I, I don't know what I would do without that facility because it's so much easier now than it was even 10 years ago trying to keep your data everywhere. Um, You mentioned primarily pageants and I think that's an interesting conversation. So just briefly, what conversation could could we have for directors and using social media and their website to build their business? Because a lot of pageants, the numbers are going the wrong way. They're going down, not up. And this is a higher-level discussion, but I feel that leads some directors to make really poor decisions because the number of entries is how much money they get. If the money isn't coming in, they have to look for other ways of bringing the money in, and sometimes they do it in ways that I don't really agree with. It's not that it's illegal. It's just I don't agree with it. Um, How could a director build up her pageant as a genuine business?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I really think... um it's important that you have, again, going back to the target market. So each pageant is obviously very different um, and who they're sort of trying to target, you know, so with Premier Elite, you know, we're a bit of a smaller pageant. Um, We have a lot of girls from like the dancing community who we work with um, and a lot of local WA contestants. So it's really important about, you know, to create a relationship with them and to, you know, sometimes I see like really negative things on social media about pageants and sometimes that even can be posted by directors and I think it's so Mm. important to try and keep it positive um and you know not everything needs to be aired out on social media like something you can keep to yourself even if it's upset you um that's okay like deal with it in your own time you don't need to put it on socials you know and I think that's important for both you know anyone working in the pageant industry, like directors um, and all that sort of thing, as well as contestants, like to keep that keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, if you, I know you haven't been keeping up to date with Universe, but if you want an example of how not to handle your problems, just look up uh, Miss uh, Nova Stevens, who's Miss Canada, uh, Miss Universe Canada, and the giant argument that's blown up between her management team and Michael Cinco, the designer who designed her gown they're having a massive stoush on internet, Nova's stuck in the middle, and she's getting death threats from Filipino pageant fans. Literally, like, random people messaging her. She put up a screenshot saying, Nova, die. Nova, commit suicide. It's absolutely horrible. So, um, yeah, social media, yeah.
0: while social media is a great thing. Like, you definitely have to always be switched on when you're using it, and that's something that, um, I get really nervous about is, you know, seeing a lot of younger contestants and, you know, even mm. family members, like cousins and things, seeing them on social media and things like TikTok and Instagram, and they don't really understand the gravity of, you know, what they have in front of them. It can mm. be a really dangerous tool as well as a positive, you know, positive thing. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary in a way. Mm. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I'm not going to ask your age, but I will guess you're similar to myself in that you can actually remember a time when there wasn't social, and now we're living in a world where social is everywhere. Whereas yeah. you got to remember that some of these young girls, they've never been in a world without social media. Like That's it's cool. always been around. Yeah. And It's only, only, you know, only going to be a matter of time, I think, before we get chips in our head and we see social media on our eyeballs and on our hands, and I don't know how far you're willing to go. Elon Musk has already developed a chip that allows you know, certain things yeah. in the brain and communication through brain waves. Okay. So it's coming. I
0: know, it kind it's of terrifies <laughs>
1: me. I think, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. kind of curious to see how far it goes, but yeah, I'd probably be one of the guinea pigs. I, I, I always want to be on the cutting edge of technology. <laughs> um, just before we get to the end, let me just ask you a few rapid fire questions, okay? So favorite social platform?
0: Instagram. Okay.
1: Least favorite social platform.
0: Uh, TikTok.
1: <laughs> Ouch. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. Hashtags? Yes or no?
0: Yes. You've got thirty users. Roughly.
1: Okay. How many? Are you gonna you're going to say thirty? Yeah. If
0: you got thirty, use all thirty.
1: Okay. All right. Um, how much time do you spend on social a day, yourself? Not not for clients, but yourself probably like an hour okay yeah what's what's the biggest thing you know you should be doing on social that you're not doing at the moment uh lives
0: lives
1: (laughs) and what's let's say what's the strangest thing you've ever had happen on social like what's a random weird occurrence or an opportunity that's happened that's come from social you never would have thought of in a million years
0: I guess like my whole business sort of started through social, so that was a pretty cool strange occurrence that happened. So yeah, <laughs> I would say that. Oh, actually I have a really good one. I have a really good one. Um I <laughs> I met our old neighbor through Instagram. So I posted a photo of my cat and I put my location, like my geotag, and then some random woman contacted me and was like hey, is this your cat? And sent me a photo of her, of a cat on her car. And I was like, that is my cat. She's like, I live on this street. Where do you live? I was like, I live right next door. Like, I live on the same street. And that's how we met. So that was probably the strangest thing that ever happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the world we live. And we're literally living next door to someone else for no. years and years and years. And we meet through Instagram because of a cat.
0: Because of our cat, my cat, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. Was your
1: cat? Was your cat enjoying itself on your neighbor's car? I mean, is that where oh, it goes yeah. to sleep?
0: Yeah, he was this big fat cat, and yeah, he goes and he'd like to sleep on her car because it would sit in the sun, so he loved it. Nice and warm. Is that her. sound
1: that has been in the background of of your? Is that sound in the background? Has that been a cat? Uh,
0: maybe. It sounds we like a dog. A, oh, we have two dogs, a cat, and three chickens. Okay. So
1: I, I have two cats and two chickens, so I I, I feel you on oh, the chickens' part. Yeah. They're, they're the most stupid animals. That they really I
0: mean,
1: we've had them for a few weeks now. They still haven't started laying. They're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they always want corn. They don't want the feed anymore because corn's better. They're not laying eggs. I'm like, oh, if they don't start laying eggs, pick them up, shake them until the eggs come
0: out. <laughs> Yeah, we've got three, so we get three eggs a day. And um, probably the funniest thing to feed them is pavlova. So at Christmas time, we had, like, so much left (laughs) over So we gave it to them, and they just loved it so much, but their beak would get stuck in it. It was really funny.
1: Is it safe safe to feed them pavlova? I mean.
0: Yeah, they eat anything. Except for. Yeah, they do. Yeah, except for avocado um cause and citrus isn't really recommended but mine eat them any eat it anyway
1: (laughs) the the weirdest feeling i had was when i went downstairs to to put the chickens to bed or put them you know back in their hutch then i came up and ate chicken and at a certain point you're just like I don't know how I feel about this. I feel conflicted. I don't know if you've ever felt the same way.
0: Sometimes we'll be like cooking barbecue and we've got, you know, chicken drumsticks on the barbecue and then we can hear the chicken squawking in the background. I'm like, oh, no, they we're going to hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a weird world we live in, isn't it? We're, we're going to eat these ones. These ones are our pets. And then this yeah. one is the delicious one that's on the barbecue, you know, in marinade sauce. It's like because I have a... Uh, my nephew is five years old and he goes, he sees the chickens. And of course, goes, are we going to eat them? Because it's oh. a chicken. Like, no. And his dad goes, no, we're not going to eat them. These ones are. And he goes, why? These ones are pets. I'm like, oh, why? And, you know, you have that, that. five-year-old. why? Why are we eating these ones? Like, they look yeah, delicious. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> 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 They're good
1: questions. They probably don't actually have a good answer to be honest, but uh, I guess someone's <laughs> going to ask them.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Renata, just before we get to the final 10 questions, because I always wrap up the interview with the final 10, um, any shout outs you want to give for supporting you pageant, uh, small business, uh, I, otherwise?
0: Oh my gosh. I have so many shout outs. obviously to all my clients because they're awesome, especially to the Academy of gymnastics because they were my first ever client and I'm still working with them two years later. Um, and shout out to our pageant queens from Premier League because they've done such an amazing job of both past and present. So thank you, girls.
1: Perfect. When's the next uh, Premier League pageant running?
0: Uh, the 22nd of January next year. So applications oh. open on the 1st of June, which is next week.
1: Amazing. Uh, hopefully yeah. Corona is a distant memory by then and we never have to talk about it ever, ever again.
0: <laughs> I doubt it, but hopefully. <laughs>
1: Uh, I gotta go and get vaccinated. Not looking forward to it. Okay. Question one. These are the final ten. It's not a speed round, but you can speed through them if you so desire. Question one. What is your favorite word? Sassy. Such a pageant queen answer. Sassy. <laughs> it's
0: such a good word.
1: <laughs> i say I agree to disagree on that one, but this is your interview, not mine. Question two. What's your least favorite word?
0: Probably moist. <laughs> it's one of those words that is pronounced sort of how it sounds, you know? Just
1: mm, moist. It's the uh, the reason I'm laughing is because that's the most common answer I get to any of these questions. Is that oh, one, really? moist <laughs> and it's almost exclusively female. It's a female oh, answer. A guy okay. has never said moist. Wow. It's always women. They just go moist. And the, the expression they have on their face when they say it, it's hilarious because they yeah. can't even say it. Without the, you know, it's like moist. <laughs> it's not moist. It's like moist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: question three, in life, what gets you excited? What turns you on?
0: What gets me excited? I love adventure. So it's been a bit hard with COVID because I love to travel and explore new places. But it just means that we get to explore new places In our city, you know, like where we live, which is great Mm, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: What about what turns you off?
0: Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I really really hate public toilets. (laughs) So, so. hey.
1: I guess say that's probably fair enough. I don't think anyone gets excited at the prospect of using a public toilet. Porta
0: are the worst. But yeah.
1: You sound like you sound like you have a story about a portaloos. Just looking at the look on your face.
0: <laughs> no, they're just awful. You know, I always get like I would have this horrible fear that you'll be sitting in one, and someone will just come over and tip over, and you'll just be in there with everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I prefer the I, I prefer the visual of you're sitting there doing your thing, and then someone comes with a forklift and takes you away. I think that would be, be hilarious.
0: Be I mean, funny. You know,
1: no. uh, <laughs> all right, um, question five: What sound or noise do you love?
0: I love the sound of my
1: cat purring. Oh, that's a good that's a good one. Is your I have two cats. One sounds like a broken rum um, broken muffler. Sounds like something's come loose. It's a horrible purr. Wow. Um, and then the other one kind of is a is a rumble, just rumbles inside. What sort yeah. of purrs do your cats have?
0: I only have the one cat, but, yeah, it's like a rumble sort of, sort of purr, but it's really soothing. Mm. Yeah. It is. It's nice yeah. to
1: fall. Put your head on the cat and just hear the rumble. <laughs>
0: what,
1: sound, what sound or noise do you hate?
0: Uh, I really hate, you know, plates, like ceramic plates, and when they sort of make that scratching sound? Yeah. Yep.
1: Oh, yep. the worst. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, question seven. Uh, if you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why?
0: Ooh, I'd, be a- I'd love to be able to read people's minds.
1: I always think that's a dangerous one because then you're actually going to find think- out what people really think of you.
0: <laughs> that's true. Uh, I think it could be interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah interesting uh question eight what job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt
0: what would I've always I have like a fasc- fascination with true crime so I'd love to be like a detective or something but in my head I know I could never do it
1: I don't understand why you pageant girls are all so fascinated with crime and serial killers and murder and cold cases. It's really, really worrying. It's really good.
0: Netflix provides so much for that addiction. Like every now and then there's like a new thing and I'm like, I have to watch it. I just binge it.
1: There needs to be some sort of Netflix show about pageantry and there's actually like a serial killer, like (laughs) a a pageant (laughs) queen who's actually a serial killer.
0: Have you seen... um, What's that show? Um, you're going
1: to tell me there is one show, and I remember someone telling me that there is a show that's basically that, isn't it?
0: It's got Debbie Ryan in it, and she goes around, and she like she's a serial killer, and she kills her competitors to win the title.
1: Oh ah, based on a true story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've the name. I can't remember it now.
1: Yeah, you're not the first person to tell me that. I can't remember it because I didn't watch it, but, yeah, it's I remember true. it was big.
0: I watched it, and I was like, at first like the show's so nice to do no it's about pageants and stuff. And then like the serial killing started happening, and I was like, What? <laughs> this is not so nice. Just,
1: just worried to find the one person who watches that and goes, Hmm, actually that's a pretty good idea. I'm like, oh, "That's no
0: It's called insatiable.
1: That's it. I yeah. As soon as you were about to say it's like it's insatiable. Yep. Okay. Yeah, okay. I should watch that. <laughs> For me it'd be homework. I, I should um like confirm <laughs> it as a business. A business expense. Do my exactly. research.
0: Watching Netflix.
1: Uh, exactly. Question nine. What job would you definitely not like to attempt?
0: Um, I would hate to work in a morgue. Like you know, do the embalming and stuff. Dead people are scary. <laughs>
1: I think that might be the quote that I take from my interview, which is some up as: dead people can be, dead people are scary. Sure. You
0: know, like you see I'll put that up on them. Twitter. <laughs> dead people are scary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely that one.
1: <laughs> dead people are not scary. You only have to be scared of them when they come back to life. Dead people by themselves are not scary. <laughs> I
0: don't know. Pretty scary.
1: Final question. If heaven Uh, exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? um,
0: I don't know. Um, That's a really like loaded question, I feel.
1: A thought provoking question. Let's see which way you go with it.
0: I feel like it would be like, welcome home, because I feel like I'm a pretty spiritual person and I don't necessarily believe in a heaven or not, but I do believe that mm-hmm. there's some spirit, you know, thing that happens yeah. afterwards. Um, but I do believe that we sort of, we came from that. So, you know, we're sort of going back to that. So that's really our true home.
1: Beautiful. Okay. Well, <laughs> Renata, that's about it. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Well, thank you so much. It was great chatting.
1: Absolutely. Um, and guys, if you have any questions about social media or you want to look at, uh, hiring Renata to get, uh, to work with you, um, Renata, what's the best place to contact you for that, for social media work?
0: Uh, just go to renatagrandeo underscore comms and you can find all the info there.
1: Perfect. Okay. Um, Renata, I'll keep you on the line for just a second. So don't hang up on me just yet. I'm going to hang right. up with the audience. Thanks to everyone for watching, whether it's live or on the replay, and we will speak to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks Thanks for watching. Just a reminder to you entrepreneurial types to come and join us at our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the pageant boss. I'll see you inside and see you in the next episode.